Welcome to the Burn Hickory Podcast, where you can listen to our sermons each week. Our mission is to reach everyone around us with the hope of Christ. And our goal is that you'll find a place where you can learn, grow, live, and thrive in a faith family. Now let's get ready to dig into Scripture and see what God has for us today. Good morning, church. We are incredibly glad uh, that you're here today. Before I jump into the message and the conversation that we're about to have, I want to give a couple of shout outs and uh, just an update. Uh, number one, a huge shout out to last week, Pastor Eli Laughlin for bringing the word last week. Thanks, Eli. Incredibly strong message on temptation. I was at another church uh, uh, that morning and was driving home, listening to the message going, I ain't going back to that place. I'm staying at home, right? Uh, it was a good, good message. Uh, secondly, for all of you who helped out, participated, showed up for and served at our men's nights on Monday night and Tuesday night, it was an incredible, incredible night. From the food to the serving to the uh, all of the fun and then Coach Yost, it was a great, great night all the way even to the next steps of watching, I mean, many, many men reach out and say, I need to be connected. Also, many that have said, I need a relationship with Jesus. It was a fabulous, fabulous night. So thank you. If you served at that, I was so proud of this body of Christ that night. It was great. And then lastly, uh, an update and a thank you. Um, I told you a couple of weeks ago that we were about to feel the pinch of construction. Uh, Well, welcome to church this morning, right? Um, Things look a little bit different from this point on. Uh, We don't, we can't exactly tell you what things will look like. Just know to follow the person in front of you and you'll get there, all right? That's all, that's kind of all that we can do, all that we can say. We're going to do our best to make it as easy as possible, but as you saw this week, uh, things are going to change pretty quickly. And, And man, a shout out to you guys for being flexible, and then a specific thank you just for our whole staff team um, here this week. It has been a terrible week to be in this building. Uh, I, d- I don't know if you can say that about church, but I'm saying it about church. Um, all of the tile coming up, all of the dust, seven of them losing their offices and being evicted this week. Uh, it has just been a terrible week, but man, they showed the love of Christ. And uh, there wasn't a full mutiny, uh, so I look at that as a win. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a good week together, but we keep praying for the building process and it'll be good. Well, look, we have, from the beginning of August until now, uh, we've been in a series that we're just called Rethinking Your Life, where we're looking at this idea that where our thoughts go, our lives follow. And so we're taking these huge chunks of life, and we're really just asking God, God, will you allow me to compare where my life is and where you are taking me, or where you want me to be? And my prayer from the beginnings, from March on, has really been, God, show me the things in my life that aren't necessarily lining up with your ways. We've looked at some big, big subjects like salvation. We looked at what our understanding of worship is, our understanding of success, our understanding of prayer. We've rethought our idea of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. And then, like I just said, last week with temptation. Well, today I am going to close the 
series by just leading us in a conversation and into the word in the idea of that all of us should live a life that constantly rethinks this idea of am I a servant of God? Am I living the life that God has called me to be a servant? That's where we're going this morning. It's how I'm going to close the series up before next week we jump into a new series. Now, here's what I know when I say something like that all of us should be serving. There is a tendency in some people at some churches, maybe not you, but at other churches, there is a tendency when somebody like me gets up here and says that we should serve, that you should be living a life of service. There is a tendency for many to look at the guy like me, because this is where I would be if I was you, right? To look at the guy like me and go, well, Matt, of course you would say that right? Of course you, you're the pastor, right? Nothing's getting done here unless you're telling somebody that, right? You're looking at me how I would be looking at me going, yeah, you're looking at this thing going, you should be serving. I mean, after all, Matt, that is your job, right? That is your life. I mean, you only work one day a week. I mean, yeah, you're going to tell me that, right? And I get that's kind of, kind of where your thinking is because that's where my thinking would be if I was you, right? So here's what I want to do this morning. Instead of me getting up here and beginning this conversation on we all should serve, coming from the guy who literally it's his job, right? I want you to hear from some people that live this life, that have been called just like you. They're just normal-ish people like the rest of us, right? They're normal people that God has got a hold of their life and has invited them into the conversation. They love Jesus. They love their families. And they've embraced what the Apostle Paul would say in Galatians 5.13. Look at it. It says this. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. To which we're like, hearty amen for that, right? Yeah. But then he says, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather serve one another by humbly, serve one another humbly, in love. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to shine a light on this command by hearing from some people that are just like you. So do me a favor this morning, all right, and welcome from that door right over there just some friends from Burn Hickory. Give them a hand this morning because they are really nervous, all right? They're just normal Burn Hickory peoples. I have been looking forward to this day all week. I get a little excited about Sundays. It's my favorite day of the week. But today, particularly, because I can't wait for you guys to hear from them and see what God's been doing in their lives. But I want to jump in real quick because we got a lot to cover. Uh, I want you guys just to kind of introduce yourselves. Um, tell us about your family. And then also just tell us really quickly, where is it that you're involved, maybe here as well as in the community? Uh, we'll start with you, Josh. Go for it. Tell us who you are. Well, okay. I just told him, but you know, you know what I'm saying, right? Josh, yeah. Hi, I'm Josh Lasseter and uh, excited to be here today. My wife, Meredith, and I have been here at Burnt Hickory for right at six years. We have three kids. We have a, an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a five-year-old. I'm blessed to get to serve in a couple of different places, primarily probably through Life Group Ministry um, and then coordinating our uh, Guatemala partnership um, and some other areas around the church. And my wife serves in the children's area. And so we, we're, we're blessed to get to do that. Come on. Glenn? Glenn Chapelier, my wife Donna. She's uh, in the back somewhere. She was in second service. Been married 30 years. 
last service, I forgot to mention my children. Uh, so we, It's an easy thing to do. Yeah. Uh, we have three adult children, one still on the payroll, and uh, uh, we've been at Burnt Hickory for 10 years, been in Georgia for 30 years, and the areas we are currently serving in, we're, we're both retired. Now, let me qualify that by saying I don't have anywhere to be Monday morning at 9 o'clock. Uh, is Calvary Children's Home, which is about three miles from right here. And then I'm a chaplain with the Cobb County Police Department for the last 20 years as a volunteer, uh, love, love serving there, and then doing outdoor ministry uh, through sports and banquets and things like that. Cool. Kathy. Good morning. I'm Kathy Turpin, and my husband Kevin and I have been uh, married for 42 years. And we joined Burnt Hickory in 1997. And Kevin is uh, on the finance committee and has been on the personnel committee. We've served together on the worship ministry and Baker's ministry. And when we first joined Burnt Hickory, they had just partnered with a shelter in downtown Atlanta on Peachtree and Pine. And there, there might be five, six, seven hundred men at that shelter. And they were really promoting it when we joined the church. Um, and I thought then, oh, that's not for me. I would never do that. But um, never say never to God because <laughs> I have been uh, on the shelter team for almost 19 years. For almost all of that, she has led the shelter team. I will say that. Um, let me ask this, Josh. Give us your, your story of, of what kind of got you to the point of of living the lifestyle of a servant. Why, why did you jump in to servanthood and, and kind of what pointed you in that direction? Okay, sure. So uh, I, I actually grew up overseas. My parents were International Mission Board missionaries. And so from the age of 13 months old, we lived in the Caribbean and in Latin America. And my parents were always really good to make sure that my brother and I always felt and knew that we were all part of the missionary team. It wasn't something my parents did as a job, but we were all there and all called to serve um, the Lord where we were living. And so uh, from young age, I got to be a part of that when they were doing church planning or working with an unreached people group or things along those lines. Came to the States for college, met my wife there. And then um, one of the stories I like to share about this is a couple years after college, we were living in North Carolina, members of a church. We loved our church. Uh, we were young newlyweds. And so I don't know if y'all remember what that was like, but we were just we're having fun and traveling and just not really committed to anything. Uh, but we were members of our church and our life group leader actually said, hey, Josh would love for you and your wife. Uh, let's have dinner. I want to talk. And we're excited about that. We think, oh, this is neat. We mm. like this couple. Uh, we're excited to sit down with them. And we did. And pretty quickly after we sat down, the tenor changed. And Blake, who's from Georgia, uh, said, Josh, listen, I want to ask you, like, are you really for real and sold out for Jesus? Because I'm going to be honest, that's not what I'm seeing in your life. Bold move, right? Um, and so I remember really, at, probably at that moment, taking offense and getting all frustrated. And I remember talking to my wife about it that night. What is he saying? Why would he say blah, blah, blah? But then over time, as I reflected on that, I really understood, man, I wasn't committed to my church really like I needed to be. I wasn't serving the Lord like I needed to be. Mm. Um, and so it was that kind of point that that happened that that stuck in my head. And it's not easy. And I would much rather uh, not always uh, serve as 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 much as is needed. But um, it's been something to, to strive for, for sure. Mm. Glenn, what about you? What, what got you to this point? 
real involved as a young person in, in the youth group growing up in Greenville, South Carolina. I felt called into ministry at age 18, so I enrolled in that famous Bible institution, Clemson University. <laughs> After graduation, went to seminary. There was a real move of God while I was there in the early 80s, and several of us went to, uh, felt called into ministry, went to seminary, and uh, graduated and. 1991, October, I started as a youth minister at First Baptist Powder Springs. Did that for seven years, but love the outdoors. I'm just Bubba. I mean, I love it, hunting and fishing and all that, and, and began an outdoor ministry in 1997, doing wild game banquets all over the country, uh, fishing competitively uh, for 25 years, and uh, enjoyed being around people. And when my kids aged out of the house, I didn't like it. <laughs> I don't like empty nests. Now, my wife's got a different view on empty nests. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, at age 62, I like to be around people and kids. And, and so I got invited about 15 years ago to uh, a little tailgate party for the Calvary Children's Home kids and at Hillgrove High School. And so we went, and all of a sudden, man, I, I fell in love with those kids. You know, youth minister at heart. And I just saw the resources God had blessed us with. We'd, outdoor stuff and fishing stuff and I was like man we could take kids hunting take them fishing do stuff with them because my dad did that with me hmm. and uh, that was 15 years ago so we're on campus probably 20 hours a week serving all kinds of stuff and driving going to camps with them all kinds of stuff and then to be a police chaplain 20 years ago Al Airwood a lieutenant at precinct 5 right here asked me Glenn would you consider being a police chaplain I'm like what do they do I don't know and uh, so he gave me a little overview of that and so uh, I went and did the background check and all and they accepted me as a chaplain first time I show up at precinct five a little intimidated because uh, everybody's got guns but me and uh, I don't know anybody and uh, nobody wants to be seen talking to the chaplain because you have problems if you're talking to the chaplain so with all the stigma I go into the major's office Rollo Green was his name and I said I said major I hope I'm not here too much you know getting in the way and he said son let me tell you something you can never be here too much. Boy, that just freed me up. And so now I do stuff with the K-9 unit, SWAT team, those guys, cook for them, travel with them, do all sorts of stuff. So that's sort of the season God has for us in our life, serving here in the local community. Hmm. But you, Kathy? What, what got you to the point where, where homeless feeding was, was your deal? So about 20 years ago, I was hearing church sermons here at Burnt Hickory on God has a purpose and a plan for you. And then we'd go into life group and we were doing a series on purpose. And I thought, well, God, am I just supposed to be Kevin's wife and Megan's mom? If that's my purpose, I'm, I'm fine with that. But if there's something else I'm supposed to do, you know, let's get after it. And um, I was in my early 40s at that time. And I started washing dishes on Wednesday nights um, after the Wednesday night suppers. And there was a couple that I was washing dishes with, Van and Kim Holsenbeck, great couple. And they were the leaders of the shelter ministry at that time. And so every Wednesday night, they'd be plugging and promoting shelter. And Kim said to me, um, because they were involved in the children's ministry, I can't speak. Children's ministry, they said, uh, we don't know a lot of adults. We're always with the children. But she said, I need some help. Um, at that time, when we were going to downtown Atlanta, uh, it was a shelter on Peachtree and Pine. And again, there'd be five or 600 people. So we needed ladies um, to come beside us and cook the meat. 
and we would be out here on Sunday mornings, and um, I, I said, sure, I can call ladies. I know ladies with servants' hearts that would love to do this. And um, so we put together about 32 ladies, <laughs> and they would come and pick up their meat on Sunday after church. They'd take it home. They'd prepare it. They'd bring it back the next day. We'd load it up and head downtown. Then Kim says to me, well, I really could use your help on Mondays cooking the side dishes. And I said, well, sure, I can come help you cook side dishes. So one Monday she said, well, why don't you just go downtown with She's us? She's sucking you in. She is. She just was like, Man. So um, I went with them that night, and I just knew by the time the evening was over that this was, this was my purpose, that hmm. I needed to get busy. Now, now Josh, what— what keeps you in it? I mean, why? I mean, I get you got called out. And most of us, when we're called out, we'll do the right thing for a little while, right? Um, but then when life gets crazy, priorities get out of whack. I mean, you got three young kids. I mean, obviously, things are crazy. What, what keeps you going? Um, so I think, the, first of all, and the most important thing to remember is that we are commanded to it. God tells us to do it, right? And so that is the first thing that I needed to learn then and I need to tell myself every day. We're commanded to do it. And we love God and we're commanded to do it and we should serve him and follow him and do that. Um, but the truth is that there's not been one area of serving where uh, if it's somebody here at the church who has a need, um, if you have kids, Josie's team, I'm sure, has called you and said they have a need, right? <laughs> or, or, or Marty or Matt or anyone else has said, hey, we have this need and would love for you to fill it. There's not been one area that it hasn't led to incredible blessing for me and my family. And mm. blessing in the sense of, not not something monetary or anything like that. Blessing just blessed our family and our our spirit and our soul and, and serving the Lord in that way. So I think the two parts. We're commanded to do it. That command doesn't always remember. I don't remember those things very well all the time, but God has always blessed us in that. Hmm. What about you, Glenn? What, what keeps you in it? I mean, you're at a different stage of life, obviously, than Josh is. Second Timothy 2.21, Paul is encouraging Timothy to be a vessel useful to the master. And that's a real motivator for me uh, because I envision God looking from heaven to my life. And can I count on Glenn? Hmm. If I speak to his heart through my spirit, will he respond? And so coming out of my devotion time with him gives me the overflow. And the other thing that really motivates me is a lot of our ministry is organic. It changes, like what I'll be doing tomorrow or the next day. We calendared. I don't try to go out too far, and I try to see if I can see Zacchaeus every day. Is my goal. By that means, meaning like you, you want to see what the need in the tree is and meet it, and or if I see where God's working, uh, or if I see where God's blessing something that Donna and I are doing, then I pour into it because I'm like, hey, here's where God's blessing is, and so let's get after it, and. <laughs> And I'm bored easily, and I think God has more for me, and I'm just not satisfied. Hmm. What about you, Kathy? What, what keeps you in it? I mean, you've been, you've been doing this 18-ish years, right? Almost 19. Um, Kevin and I, we use this verse at home a lot about much is given, much is required. Um, and also, Kevin used to sing the song a lot, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. <laughs> And in that song, it says, you won't know whose lives you've, 
touched mm -hmm. until you get to heaven, whether you were the Sunday school teacher or the missionary. And I have, I have people come up to me in stores and say, I know you from such and such shelter. Wow. Thank you. They Man. thank me. That's good. So what would you say to, to somebody that's maybe they're not exactly serving in a lot of ways right now, maybe at the, the occasional here and there, and they want to kind of point their life in that direction. Um, Josh, what would you say to somebody that wants to be started but doesn't know what's for them? What, what's your message to them? Yeah, um, I, I think about this question when I think about like with our family and the fact that we do have three kids and we're, I'm traveling for work and all those types of things. Um, wherever you are, there are ways that you can plug in and serve. And so you're here on a Sunday morning. There are ways you can serve while you're here at church. Um, uh, you know, my wife is over in the children's ministry and I know they always have lots of needs for people to run a classroom that might not be your gifting. It's not my personal gifting to run a, a classroom of kids, but they also need people to sit at the computer and click for the next slide. And they need people to sit at the door. Um, in kind of on this side of the building, there is a, I'm thinking about people who just plug in and serve where they're at. There's a woman in our life group who is really good at doing name tags, really good at coordinating them and keeping them together. And um, I would be terrible at that job. I would uh, probably lose them and misspell all the names, but she's good at that. And she's passionate about making sure people have a name tag. Uh, there's a guy in our class who is really good at standing in the back and finding new people who maybe haven't had a chance to connect and plug in yet. And so I think the biggest thing is just try to find opportunities where you're currently at. And I'm, I'm not just saying this because I'm up here, but Burn Hickory does have a lot of ways to see what your giftings are alongside that. And so uh, I know CJ does a great job with the place test, if you haven't taken that, where you can kind of get a sense of your spiritual gifts and practical gifts and ways that that can actually be translated to serving in the local church. There's lots of opportunities, and I, I recommend that route. Hmm. Glenn, how would you say somebody could get started? Uh, first, I would say is ask God, you know, where would you want me to serve? And many of us, you know, shut down because like, I can't commit that much time. I don't have that many resources. I'm not that gifted. A lot of times God speaks through other people and invites you to something. And as you respond, you could be responding to the Lord using that person. And then it starts up here with me. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, he who is generous will get more. And I believe God has more for me. And so I keep pushing for more. And so that's the way I look at it, looking for those opportunities, because what if my current assignment that I'm doing right now for the kingdom is my last? Hmm. Well, I better do it with all my heart. Hmm. Kathy, what about you? How could somebody get started? Um, I'd say you can come along with me. I've got a, I've got a truck, and I do a lot of grocery shopping. <laughs> Love and, uh, it. How practical be, is that? Come I'd be ride glad the truck. to have you shotgun. And if you would like to shadow us at a shelter, that would be mm. good, too. Yeah. Which, by the way, speaking of getting started, uh, Kathy is, has been in this role for a long time, but due to some health things that is going on, her doctor is really pushing her to not be the lead um, of our homeless programs anymore. And shameless plug right here, we need um, some people to step up into that role. Kathy, I know you want to speak to that. I would love it if it was a family because um, I've been doing it by myself. Kevin would love to help me, but his schedule just doesn't allow that. 
or friends going together yeah. because two years ago I, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I had to stop being the Martha mm -hmm. and be the Mary. I had to step back and, and be the prayer warrior and let the team step up and they did a great job. They did, That's right. they did a powerful job. So uh, I'm looking for a replacement, replacements. I'm That's looking right. for replacements. So she'll be standing right over here by the doors after this service. And if the Holy Spirit so leads you, uh, she would love you. Kathy, what would you say to somebody that, that just says, and I quote, I'm just too busy at this season of my life? So you can tell me that. I'll accept that. But if you tell God I'm too busy, I would be afraid that this, my situation would change and I wouldn't like the change. Wow. Josh, what would you say to that? Um, I get it if someone says that to me. You probably are too busy. I <laughs> totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, one of the, the ways that I think through answering this question, Matt, is so... For example, in our family, if, if my wife is doing something with children's ministry or somewhere else in the church, the Lassiters are a package deal. So you get, you get my wife or me, you get everybody. And so, you know, my kids come along with us. And um, if I have something going on, then, uh, then they jump in too. But um, Glenn, you said like, look where God is working and go there. And so if you are here in this place, there are ways to plug in and do that. Uh, there are ways to build it into your life too. Like maybe you're sitting there like I was this week thinking about, are we going somewhere this summer? Are we traveling? Um, if you are thinking about that, uh, we have a team going to Guatemala this summer. And we still need <laughs> five to 10 of you in here to sign up. So uh, lots of ways that you can plug in and serve and, um, and just make it a family thing. It's, it's helpful for everybody. Mm. Glenn, how would you answer that question of I'm, I'm just too busy? Number one, I would be afraid to say that to the creator of the universe. Number two, if you've played football, I'm just going to tell you like it is, you're underperforming. I mean, if that's what you say to the creator of the universe. And I believe God has more. And here's my question. What am I truly capable of if the Holy Spirit lives inside of me? I mean, it, it's not some gigantic food ministry God's calling you to, or all of a sudden outdoor ministry or children's home. I mean, for me, it was just one little voice. I'm sitting at my house on a Saturday watching Clemson beat up somebody in football. And I just feel the Lord speak to me. Glenn, you enjoying that game? Yes, sir. Go Tigers. Glenn, what about uh, those 23 kids that live four miles from your house? What do you think they're doing today? I sat up from the couch. I asked God to forgive me for my selfishness. And I said, God, it'll never happen again. So any given Saturday from Labor Day till Christmas time, if I'm not in the woods with some of the kids or other friends, those kids will be at my house. Giving what God has blessed me with mm. because we are held accountable for what we have. Yeah, that's good. So Josh, if you had a couple minutes with somebody just over coffee that is like, man, tell me about this whole serve thing. Why, why do I do it? Kind of scripturally, where does it come from? What, what would you encourage them with from scripture? Um, so my kids are playing basketball right now and my son, he's five, uh, and he's playing, uh, he loves it and we enjoy it. I get to coach him. He's also very aggressive. And so, uh, we were talking about how to play and, you know, be a good sport and all those things. And we talked about first Corinthians 10 31. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so when you ask for uh, a verse that, that I would think through with this is, um, 
whether we are working in our careers or, or going to church or in our communities and in our neighborhoods, God, if you ask him for opportunities to serve, he's going to give you those opportunities to serve. So be careful if you ask him. So um, if you do that, wherever you're at, he's going to make those opportunities obvious and available to you. And so at that point, it's just a, a step of, of grabbing it and doing everything you do for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact of the matter is that we're all called to be on mission for Jesus. We're not, you know, Matt's the pastor and we have other pastors and there's vocational missionaries who live overseas, but whatever our job is, whatever our vocation is, we're all called to be on mission. And there's a lot of need. There's need here in this community. There's needs around the U.S. and there's needs to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And we're all called to each part of those things. And mm-hmm. so that's what I would say. Kathy, what about you? What, what would you do on encouraging someone from Scripture? What comes to mind? Well, what I have claimed over the years is 2 Peter 1.7. For I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. So whatever the Lord has led me to do, I have not, had, I've not been fearful. I've not struggled mm. with fear. And um, fear is not of the Lord. That's right. That's good. Glenn? Two things, um, especially if, if you're 55 and older, uh, pay attention. <laughs> Joshua 14, 11 through 14, they've uh, gotten into the promised land, and Caleb's talking to Joshua. I've named my son after Caleb, and here's what he said to Joshua. He said, I've been faithful, and at my age of 85, I can still fight. Give me the hill country. And that's what he wanted. And God gave him that. And many people believe that's where Goliath's family was from. And so at 85, man, listen to that drive and that man. Last year, I read an incredible book called Gun Lap. Talks about our life and that it's a race. And that if you're over 55, you're on your last lap. Are you slowing down or are you speeding up? And I want to be speeding up. Amen. Would you guys do me a favor and give them a hand for being out here with us? So, so good. The personalities involved. What I want to do with just a few minutes left is I just want to tie a bow around the conversation and content that they brought from Scripture from probably one of the clearest Scripture that Jesus gave his disciples on this idea of serving. In Mark chapter 10, uh, Jesus is with his disciples and they are heading to the cross. They are right before the Passion Week, which kind of leads us into our series that we're starting next week. And Jesus drops this incredible message on his guys on what it looks like to live the life of a servant. Let me just read it to you, and I want to give you three quick things to think about this week. It says this in Mark 10, verse 32. It says, they were on their way up to Jerusalem when Jesus was leading the way, and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. I love that idea of that Jesus was just leading them. They were walking. The disciples knew where they were going. And watch what happens. Again, Jesus, he took the 12 aside and he told them what was going to happen. We are going up to Jerusalem, Jesus said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and they will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And then Jesus says, three days later, he will rise. 
Now, I love this because the disciples were literally with Jesus, the Messiah, right, on their way to the cross. And Jesus, for the third time, for the third time, Jesus circles back around to the same conversation that we're going so that I can die. Every time I read this, I think, Jesus, did you not get just so frustrated at these boneheaded disciples? And Jesus is like, yeah, just like I do you, right? But Jesus, in patience, with the grace that he can only give, he answers them. He's like, yeah, I'm going to give my life. And if you think it can't get worse than that for the disciples, watch this in verse 35. It says this, then James and John, supposed to be two of the powerhouses, right? Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, came to Jesus. Teacher, they asked, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, this is a crazy request. I mean, think about it. They're walking with the Savior of the universe, and they go, hey, we want you to do something. We want you to do it now, and we want you to do exactly what we ask. Now, that's pretty cheeky, right? I mean, it's the Savior of the universe. I hate how the New Living translates this. They're like, Jesus, do us a little favor. That's not the language. The language is, Jesus, do this now. And then in all the craziness, Jesus, he welcomes their request, because that's who he is. Verse 38, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. Now pause right there and understand that these two guys have the wrong idea of glory. They're still thinking that he is going to go to Jerusalem and overthrow Rome and he's going to have this new kingdom in Jerusalem and he is going to sit on a literal throne and rule just like Caesar ruled. And what James and John are asking is to be elevated into the kind of president and vice president of this new little kingdom that he's going to establish. And it's so sad that Jesus is on his way to the cross and two of the closest people around him are still more worried about their earthly positions than what Jesus is doing. Church, I'm telling you, that's why we don't serve. That's the attitude that most of us bring to the kingdom. And and, and that's where a lot of us are. but, But watch what Jesus says to them. I love this. Verse 38, Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus said, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with a baptism that I'm baptized with? In other words, can you take this sorrow? Can you take and bear this suffering? This is the metaphorical language. Remember Jesus in the garden asking the father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. Verse 39, they get even a little more bold. They're like, we can. They answered. Jesus said to them, okay, watch this. You will drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. Now, that's, that's more of metaphorical language. It's not talking about the baptism that we just saw. It's talking about Jesus looking at him going, hey, listen, you're right. You are going to suffer. You are going to be persecuted. You are going to have this stuff in your future as well. And, and it actually, he is foretelling what happened. James is one of the first martyrs of the faith. John is the last disciple that was to live. But look at verse 40. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. So Matt, who are those people? I don't know. That's another day, right? So what are these guys asking for? These guys are asking for what most of us ask for when we point our lives in the direction of self-advancement. They're asking for power. 
prestige, and self-advancement. And what happens when we do that is not only do we break the heart of God, but watch what people do. Verse 41, when the 10 heard about this, this is the other 10 disciples, they became indignant. They were mad, right? With James and John. Jesus, he called them all together and said, now watch this. Here's the, this, is, this is the point for us. You know that those who regarded, are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, that's the evil rulers, what do they do? They lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Now pay super close attention to this right here. This is where we're landing. Here's a challenge for us. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Write three things down to think about this week. Number one, write this down, that Jesus is the only Savior we're following. What does that mean in this context? It means that they are walking to the road to the cross, but yet they're still trying to serve the Savior of self-advancement of their families, of their kingdoms, of their lives, of their power. But Jesus is going, you don't even understand what's about to happen. So Jesus is about to lay down his life. But number two, Jesus is calling us to get off the throne of self-advancement and to become a servant. Church, listen to me. At the end of the day, our primary role as a child of the king is to live the life of a servant. But to live that life, what do we have to do? We have to take ourselves off our self-advancement Throne, and, and this one gets a little personal. Why? Because it's completely countercultural in first century Palestine, and today, when you think about it, the kingdom of this world, the standard of greatness and power is control. It's control and advancement. But let me tell you the foundational principle in Jesus's kingdom. It's number three. Write it down. In God's kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus. The standard of greatness is measured in service and not authority or accomplishment. Let me me be as honest as I can be this morning. Pay close attention because this is what Jesus wants you to see. Jesus says the question of life is not what kind of service can I extract from somewhere else. It's what kind of servant can I be. And listen, this is only going to happen when we realize that he is the Messiah, his kingdom is the focus and not my kingdom. And when we begin to do that, we begin to see things through a totally different light. Listen, the whole idea of servanthood this morning, it comes down to two different things. It comes down to the idea of, do I see this world as a world about me, for me, that I'm the star, that I am the headliner, or is it his? And secondly, it comes down to the idea of, do I just see myself as a person that volunteers, or do I see myself as a servant? (laughs) 
let me, let me just give you a little bit of food of thought before we land this plane this morning. I think that we're really close to, in this church, being on the verge of banning the word volunteer forever. Here's why. A volunteer, when they step into a role and only see themselves as a volunteer, has the tendency to say this, look at me, I am sacrificing for you. A servant looks at Jesus who has ransomed them and said, all of me is all of yours and this is the only response that I have. You see, not answering the call to volunteer is like, ah, I don't have time. Not answering the call to be a servant means that we really do not understand what Jesus has ransomed us from. Church, this morning, let me ask you this. Are you serving the king? Or are you serving your interests? Are you serving with what he has given you, with the giftedness, with the resources, with the time, and with the talents and the treasures? Or are you standing up to Jesus, looking at him, saying, hey, put me and my family at your right. You put whoever you want to at the left. Put us at the right. Church, I think it's time for us to rethink volunteering versus becoming a servant of the one who has given us life. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? This morning, God, I know, I know, I know that so many people in this church, their heart is exactly what we have talked about this morning, and they are living this life. But God, I know there's another side of us this morning that that God, honestly, it's, it's not happening. And God, I just pray that today, Lord, God, I beg of them today to see their lives as the hands and the feet of Jesus who've come to serve. Who have looked at what you have done in their life and they're showing that the only reasonable response for me, Jesus, is to say, yes, Lord, send me. Lord, during this next couple of moments, will you allow us, God, to evaluate our lives and to point our hearts in the direction of becoming your servant? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. I'm just going to ask you this morning, what do you need to surrender to? I'm going to be standing over by the next step sign. And if today you just need somebody to pray with you, need somebody to kind of walk with you or encourage you, this is your time. Maybe today God is saying, yeah, let's do this together. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com next. Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burnt Hickory app.